Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Good Thursday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Was that a little uh, Chris Collinsworth slide you just did there, Brian Hedio? I, I was trying to see if there was a way for it to look like I'm looking at you from this angle, but there's not. Just if you would look straight into the camera? If I'm looking straight at the camera, I'm, I'm not looking exactly at you. It looks exactly like see you're you. looking at me. But I can't see you. I'm looking at the camera now. You could be doing anything. Flipping me off, doing a dance. I have no idea. I'm not flipping you off. Promise. Yet. Yes. Can't, can't see your hands. Only yeah. in the commercial breaks, uh, perhaps. <laughs> that is Will yeah. Lee's voice that you hear. He is uh, in for Michael Borky, who is taking a couple of spa days himself. He uh, heard that Hey Dad's had so much fun with his pedicure, his manicure, his rub down, <laughs> and his waxing that he thought he would take two days for such appointments. And uh, so he is away. And we will uh, we will do our best to make it through he's, the next three hours. He's got a lot more stress than me, you know. Yeah, without the capable services of uh, of Michael Borky, but certainly a capable. Uh, it doesn't feel right to call Will East to fill in. No. No, he's our uh, he's 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 the backup QB. He's QB two. Who's always the most popular guy on the team, right? Uh, exactly. I've, heard. I've always heard yeah. that. You're the Chase Daniel of this program. You know who's sitting over there praying. Don't let anything happen to this guy because I got a good gig, right? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 You're anytime, Spencer Sanders today. <laughs> anytime Chase Daniel, uh, the name Chase Daniel comes up, I feel compelled to immediately type Chase <laughs> Daniel career earnings. Um, it's high. Yeah, it, it's it's a lot. Or like he, like Jason Garrett, you know, for years Troy behind Troy yeah. Aikman, and then. Then he wasn't he in New York for a little bit, and he was back up there. But it's, yeah, he probably played yeah. like ten minutes, all in all. Chase Daniel he got, has he maybe uh, career fifty snaps. He has five career starts, and since two thousand nine in the NFL, has earned forty one million eight hundred twenty eight thousand four hundred seventy one dollars. So, t- so how many snaps? I mean, how many uh, games? Five. Five career. Five. Starts. Five. So eight and some change a game. I was looking up his stats. I mean, he he played five years with the Saints as the backup, three years with Kansas City, two years with Philadelphia, back to New Orleans for a year, two years with Chicago. Chicago paid him a bunch. He had like a two-year $10 million contract with them, a year with Detroit, and the last two with the Chargers. So how much did he make with the the Bears? Uh, He made $10 million. It was a two-year contract. $10 $10 million contract. In 2018, he got $2 million in salary with a $2 million roster bonus. And in 2019, $4 million in salary 
with a $2 million roster bonus. And he threw almost 100 completions for that money. 53 in 2018 and 45 in 2019. Every NFL team, though, quarterback, most position, most important position in sports. I think we all agree on that. Every team needs a star at quarterback if they're going to be a legitimate Super Bowl contender. But every team would love to have a capable backup that they can rely on if needed. And that was worth yeah. $5 million a year for Chicago. It was worth $5.5 million a year for two years for Philadelphia. It made a lot of, I mean, good grief, the Saints had him for the first and, five years of his career and paid him like $2 million total. Yeah. yeah. Saints always good with the salary cap. In case you're wondering out there, Will East, his, he's made a little less than $41 million yes, a in his bit time less. here at, uh, at Super Talk. But I've completed less passes as well. But, yeah. but, in my opinion, totally worth what we've paid him. <laughs> uh, C Spire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business. Learn more online at cspire.com slash business. We're glad to be with you in the Pearl River Resort studio, Pearl River Resort, the home of the Sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. I was reminded earlier today that the Sportsbook is coming on up on its uh, anniversary. It's got a birthday coming up. Hey, Dad, I was, uh, I was talking with Ryan Griffin from Pearl River Resort, and he's like, yeah, we yeah. need to kind of look at the calendar and figure something out. He said, you know, we got the, the anniversary. I was like, how old is the Sportsbook? Two years old now? He goes, uh, no. He said it launched in 2020. Is it, I thought it was, I thought it was or, or maybe older it was, than that. That's right. It launched in, that it launched in the fall of 2019. It's five that was, no, I don't think you're right again. I think it started in 28. I think that was my first remote. My five year anniversary was Monday. Mm. I'm but pretty sure that was the Monday, first ever remote I went to. Isn't this coming Monday the anniversary of your first full show? Full-ish? Yes. Okay. Correct. Correct. Okay. Uh, I showed amazing restraint this morning. I, I would like for you to pat me on the back, I think. You deserve I, uh, all the credit in the world. I, I think I know where you're going. I pulled out of my driveway at, uh, at 6.15, and I headed to Ollie's, and I bought 146 donuts. 146 donuts. I got 12. You have... You've broken my record. I didn't eat 146 donuts. I got I got 12 dozen plus two. So um, one of the plus two was for me. It was a, a chocolate ice donut. And then Frances needed a special donut this morning. She was getting ready to start first grade, and so she wanted chocolate with sprinkles. The other 144 donuts were all glazed. We had kids from each of our kids' grades at the house this morning for a little prayer breakfast thing before the first day of school, something my wife came up with a few years ago, and we've done it several years in a row. Do you know how many donuts I ate this morning? I told you I bought one for myself. You probably ate two more. I ate one more donut. I had a total. I bought 146 donuts and ate two. That is a maturity milestone for me. I- I'm just telling you that if there were that many donuts in my house, I might not be on the show today. Would, would you have tucked some away for later consumption? No, I might have just gone into a diabetic coma and uh, not showed up. 
Like, where's Haydad? He's just sitting on, laying on his floor. His mouth got a, a ring of glaze around it. I don't know what happened. His, to him. his aorta's trying to process all that icing. <laughs> yeah. Like, talk about shock the system. You go seven months of or eight months of dieting, and all of a sudden I'm going to eat, you know, twenty donuts. Yeah. I got back in my truck at like one o'clock. I was like, "Why does it smell so good in here?" I was like, "Oh, because I hauled twelve dozen donuts this morning. That's why it smells great." So, hey, uh, are you aware of the fact that we have real live American tackle football on your television tonight? I am aware of that fact. I know what channel it's on. I know what time it starts. I know that I'm going to tease my wife yet again that I have lived to see another football season. We have the Hall of Fame game tonight coming from Canton. The Jets and the Browns are the teams. It starts at 7 o'clock on NBC, and now, hey, Dad, the moment of truth. We do have real live American tackle football on television. It is, without a doubt, the worst game that is televised during the calendar year. However, it's been a while since we've had real football, and so the question is... Even though you are feigning excitement for the Hall of Fame game and the joke that you will play on your wife once again, which is an annual thing, mm-hmm. how much of the game will you actually watch? First couple quarters, maybe. You think you'll make maybe. it to halftime? Yeah, we're pushing it. Okay. I might come back at the end of the fourth quarter just to see how it finishes up, too. So... The first Hall of Fame game was played in 1962 between the New York Giants and the St. Louis Cardinals. Things have changed a bit since then. The Cleveland Browns, who will play in tonight's game, played in the second Hall of Fame game. The New York Jets did not make their Hall of Fame game debut until 1977 when they played the Chicago Bears. For a really long time, the setup was an AFC team and an NFC team. They have abandoned that along the way, and now they tend to focus on teams who have a Hall of Famer that is being inducted, like if there's one of real significance to either of the teams that are playing, then they'll bring that team in as part of the uh, the weekend's festivities, just in case yes. you needed a Hall of Fame game history lesson. A primer, if you will. Yes. Will uh, will Aaron Rodgers take a snap tonight? No, absolutely not. Um, Zach Wilson getting the start tonight in the Hall of Fame game. Tells you all you need to know about how that game is viewed. Yeah. Is his mom going to be there? Enjoy it, Zach. Oh. Aaron Rodgers. How you doing? Oh, wow. <laughs> Sorry, it took me a second to process that. Aaron Rodgers has not played in the preseason since 2018 when he took seven snaps in week two of exhibition play. He's like, guys, I'm good. Speaking of Zach Wilson, hope nobody else's mom is there. Oh, you guys. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Mississippi on the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm.
Hey, Dad, I'm going to make you a promise. We will not spend an extended amount of time today talking about conference realignment. Extended amount of time is the operative word. Is it now? There, there, there are some, there are some things. No, hold on. No, yeah, I, yeah. I, I thought when you engaged yesterday, it was great. It was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there are some well, that's summary true about, that's things. Just, that's true about every time I talk on this show. I'll be honest with you. Um, some might argue to the contrary, but but hey, you you believe what oh, you need to believe. That's Bo in Indianola. No one cares what he thinks. <laughs> You're such a fan of it. I wish we could get you and Bo together to break bread. He he I hadn't he hadn't texted this show in months. He just he just chimed in at the end of my show last night. Was like, yeah, state sucks. It's like, okay, great, good to hear from you, Bo. Thanks, thanks, Bo. Um, yeah. So we need to do some summarizing though in terms of the landscape because it feels like the next 24 hours could yield some new information. But first. Uh, we need to ask all of you a question. Dwayne and Brandon. So, Richard, is it time for me to again mention the Genteel shirt giveaway? So I, I, I appreciate Dwayne keeping that on the radar. He was asking it kind of on a regular basis, and I was like, hey, let's get a little closer to football season. We will do a giveaway. So here's my question. And, and this is kind of like open to all of you. Feel free to respond, 601-879-4395. We will give away some Genteel shirts between now and the start of football season. I don't know the exact number. I'll get back to you on that. Would you prefer, I actually have a Genteel shirt on today, not our normal Super Talk logo. It was first day of school, so I wore the uh, the Oval, the Oxford Charger logo on here. Got that from the Booster Club last year. Um, so, the question The what? The Booster Club. What did you Club. call it? The, no. The, o- the what? The O bolt. You said the, the, the O bolt logo. Okay. It's it's an O. Okay. With a Sounds like something bolt. that goes wrong in your car. The O bolt's <laughs> wrong. I, no, no, no. I blew my O bolt. Cost me eight hundred dollars. Why did the boat go to the bottom of the lake? Well, it was missing <laughs> <Well>. O bolt. <laughs> yes. I, I, I heard. I listened to your car. It sounds like the O bolt's blown. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, the, the go ahead. Oxford logo. Yeah. Um, I got you now. So the question is, we will give some genteel merchandise away between now and the start of football season. Should we give away genteel shirts that have got the Super Talk logo on them? It's it, you've seen us wear it. It's small. It's 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 a cool looking logo. Uh, or should we do? Um, there you go. You can you can see it from Will. Please don't Rick, ever Lindsay. pose with the camera like that. That's so frightening. <laughs> <laughs> Like a little uh, girl. Maybe Zach Wilson's mom's listening. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> should we do shirts with the Super Talk logo, or should we do shirts from the Collegiate Collection, where we have you know a couple of Ole Miss shirts, a couple of state shirts to uh, to give away? And we'll have to see where they are in the licensing on the state stuff, or the uh, uh, the Southern Miss stuff. I would say Collegiate Collection. I mean, I'm sure our fans love us, but you know. They would probably love their uh, Mississippi State or Ole Miss shirt or Southern Miss shirt if we can make that happen better. Maybe we will. Uh, maybe we'll do a mix. And if you're listening, you're an LSU or an Alabama fan. You're just SOL. You're not. You're not getting a shirt from us, Mississippi fans only. Mm, there you go. 
There you go. So somebody says, give us a choice of the team. Strider in Indianola says, our team's Richard. Put my name on a medium-sized state shirt. <laughs> okay. Uh, it sounds like everybody wants the collegiate collection. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll work on that. As they should. And uh, Mike and Collins ask if they've got Southern Miss attire. I, I know, Mike, that that was in the works. They were working through the licensing agreement with Southern Miss. That's a process and I don't know if it's done yet or not. If it is done, uh, we will make sure that we've got a couple of Southern Miss shirts to uh, give away. And if not, we'll make sure that we've got a couple of black, solid black, genteel apparel shirts that we can uh, can give away as well. So, uh, great stuff. Uh, we'll get to that. So, here we go. A summary from three college football writers. Let's start with Dan Wetzel. He put, he put a thread on Twitter. He says, a few conference realignment updates. All eyes remain on what the University of Arizona decides. Go to the Big 12 or stay in the Pac-12. There is still some belief that the nine remaining Pac-12 could decide to stay together and agree to a new media deal. We'll see. If so, it could then add San Diego State and maybe others, and everything stops. The Big Ten is hesitant about offering expansion bids to Oregon and Washington and perhaps Cal and Stanford unless the Pac-12 further deteriorates. If the Pac-12 sticks together, the Big Ten likely will just stay at 16 and wait. And then finally, if the Big Ten does decide to expand and offer membership, it will be at a cut rate for some multi-year period, maybe 50 to 60% of the media rights revenue that will range between 50 and $65 million annually, it is still equal or better than most options for Oregon and others. And finally, he says the next 24 hours will determine a lot. If you're Oregon and Washington, and the, the, Pac-12, or the Big Ten says, we'll take you, but because of the financial arrangement, you're not going to get the same amount of money every year that everybody else is getting. Do you swallow your pride and take it because you know that ultimately you're going to get a whole lot more money than you're going to get otherwise? You're, you're, you're kind of low on options, right? And it's, it's kind of lean pickings at, at this point. So probably that's what you do. I mean, at some point, a lot of schools that are currently in the Power Five and have enjoyed that Power Five status. Mm-hmm. Are going to have to uh, swallow a good bit of pride, uh, and and figure out their their way forward. I mean, we're living in a world. Somebody made a good point that like you look at the, at, at the Pac-12. Oregon State could win the Pac-12 this year. That's a good team. They got a good yeah. quarterback coming in, good coach, and Jonathan and then they could have Smith. right, and then they could have nowhere to go. They could just be out in the cold. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it, it's yeah. I'm, I'm gonna give you another analogy. I hope you like it. It's closing time, buddy. You got to pick who's left. You, you, if you want to go home with someone, you just, just do what you can at this point. You don't have a lot of options left. I feel like all of your analogies come from the same general uh, concept bucket. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. trial and error there. They uh, they work. They, uh, they 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 work. So the analogies work. Closing time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, and if you think about it, 
I mean, reports are that the the Apple TV deal is in the the neighborhood of the low twenty million, and I'm sure they'll piece <laughs> something else together. If they were go to the big were to go to the Big Twelve, they'd be in the thirty two million range, and so mm-hmm. fifty to sixty percent of the Big Ten deal it's going to net you fifty to sixty five million a year. Take it. Kind of a no brainer. And you would hope Will, that was at some point offer? you would be made whole because that was only what a seven-year contract that the Big Ten did. Yeah, yeah, you, you can you can hold out for that. Will, what was our offer to the Pac-12? Uh, I don't remember. It wasn't wasn't a whole lot. No, I, I think so. Okay, yeah. I, well, so much for Richard Cross, voice of the Pac-12. It was a beautiful dream. Yeah. Um, Pete Thamel, this was about four hours ago. Sources, the Big Ten's presidents met early Thursday morning and authorized Commissioner Tony Petiti to explore expansion and bring them back more information on Oregon and Washington as potential Big Ten members. No offers have been made. And a deal is uncertain. There's a political thicket with the potential additions because the moves don't offer the current Big Ten schools any additional money. USC doesn't have a vote, but they have been vocal in the past about not wanting another West Coast Big Ten team or teams. And then finally, Oregon and Washington would also have to come to terms with not getting a full share, which isn't a slam dunk for them. There's potential, but significant roadblocks remain. So that is from Pete Thamel. And then finally, this from Brett McMurphy. Arizona Board of Regents calls Thursday night meeting. Source tells Action Network. That's tonight. He says, I find it hard to imagine the state of Arizona Board of Regents would be willing to allow one of institution uh, one of its institutions to leave the Pac-12 while the other stays. That doesn't seem logical. That was from the source. He went on to say, friendly reminder, the Big Ten cleared and vetted Oregon and Washington as Big Ten members if it makes financial sense last year. He also says the Big Ten is trying to figure out financials at this point on Oregon and Washington. Quote, there is no more research or information needed on the Ducks or the Huskies. We have everything we need. And again, he points to the fact that the proposal from Apple expires at the end of this week, and it's in the low $20 million figure per school annually. So... That is your up-to-date landscape on conference realignment as it pertains to the Big Ten and the Pac-12, and I guess to a lesser degree, the Big 12. Sports Talk Mississippi. Luke Johnson will join us on the Farm Bureau guest line next. Mississippi Sports. You'll hear about it first, right here. Sports Talk Mississippi. kind of a friend Will East is. Uh, he's using a different picture than the one that Borky normally uses uh, when you're not on the video stream. If so, if the folks that are watching on Super Talk TV, uh, they see you getting a punt blocked. Well, it happened. I mean, to, to give accurate reporting, you have to, uh, to show everything. You know, I thought about just muting my mic to make East look bad again. Uh, like he didn't do something. Mm, yeah. I, I had a few block, block punts in, in my time. It happened. How many? I had one in my first game. I had one against Alabama. 
And the worst one was the day they retired Ray Guy's number. Um, Yeah. It was right before halftime, and I got a punt partially blocked. And I remember seeing him while I was running off the field, and I ran to the other end to avoid him in the shame. (laughs) It wasn't my fault, but, I mean, you know, it doesn't matter. It's always the punter's fault. But, yeah. And then later on, you know, he uh, it wasn't that day, but later on he told me he appreciated what I did and carried on the legacy. But that was super embarrassing. What was your relationship like with Ray Guy? I mean, I, I didn't, I wasn't able to interact with him, you know, as much. Um, he was still, he came to the university right after I left, and so I was able to interact with him after my time as a player. And you know, I mean, um, I, I'm, you know, I, I was. I was fortunate enough I finished right behind him in career punting average. I was not right behind him. There's a gap between me and Ray, but he, <laughs> he later on appreciated, you know, just the the what what I did in my career there and and uh we had you know, he was on the Eagle Hour some and, and um just always appreciated the fact that he acknowledged where he came from. Really, really was thankful for that. He was such an incredible man. All right, so for a while you did kind of some coaching. Uh, or, or at least some individual work with up-and-coming punters. Do you still do that? Um, if somebody brings me out of retirement in that, that was almost my second retirement. But I do do it from time to time. Um, you know, just around around here, somebody will put me on somebody, and people will call me up. I mean, you, you and I, you, you know about my relationship with Logan Cook. That's how that happened. Lynn just called me out of the blue. But, yeah, if somebody wants me to work with a kid, I'll be happy to do it. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. All right, so we uh, we we played yesterday. Well, first of all, on Tuesday we get to visit with Will Hall. Great conversation with him. And then yesterday we played the the post uh, practice press conference and kind of what he had to say. Uh, is there anything that you were able to take away from the first day of camp? I'm assuming they took today off, or did they go right back at it in in shorts today? No, they went right back two hours and twenty okay. minutes again this morning. Yeah, got back at it. Same, you know, same. Uh, shorts and, and helmets. Yeah, I mean, I think with him, he, he said this today. This is so Will Hall. Can't play football without pads. So uh, we're just happy to, you know, to be out there. That's really was his message after. And I, I think for him, he's taken these first, you know, few days where there are no pads to be able to try to get some of the, the young guys. He, he described it today as, you know, jumping in calculus four when you hadn't taken the first three calculus classes yet, you know, and a lot of these guys, it's one thing to do summer drills, man, but when camp hits, you start noticing, especially if you're a young guy, how how, how fast the game really is now. And uh, so I think he's, they're, they're still – you're always putting stuff in or, or clarifying stuff. So I think really it's getting the older guys back in the routine and then kind of, you know, showing the, the, the new kids, coaching them up um, in some ways maybe you hadn't been able to since spring. All right, so big picture – um, we know that sometimes you really can't get answers to questions that you have about individual players or position groups or the team as a whole until you play a couple of games, right? I mean, sometimes you just got to see that. Uh, this is something that we did last week with Ole Miss and Mississippi State and wanted to, to ask you about this. Are, are there any questions that you have about this Southern Miss team that you think can be answered during camp before that first game against Alcorn State? Yeah, I think in some of the scrimmages, you may see how much they're going to utilize Clark and Clay along with Frank Gore Jr. Um, because I really think it's going to help Frank 
especially late in games, where those other two are going to pound some. And they're going to, it's going to allow him not to just get beat up in the first half of a game, especially if it's more physical. Just, I mean, he's a physical dude, but just because of his smaller stature. Clay's 6'1, 215. Clark runs hard. And so I think that's going to help Frank in other ways. So I, I think you'll know, you know, in some of the, the early scrimmages, how much they're going to utilize the other backs along with, you know, the feature back that he is. Um, I think it'll be interesting now that you're you're able to have more of a, a a mid-range passing game to see possibly some of the wrinkles early on and and the the development of the playbook. And then I think some of the questions between scheme wise, even though Will says it's going to look a lot the same, what what does Dan O'Brien do that Austin Armstrong didn't, and vice versa? Um, I, I think the, the front seven on defense is going to hold their own against a lot of people. Um, and then, then kicking game. I mean, you're replacing everybody. You know, Jack Tannehill from Oxford's got a good chance to kick. Uh, you got to replace Mason Hunt at the punter position. So, what special team's going to look like? You, you, you've done the special teams thing. Can, can you really know when you come out of camp and, and feel good about who your kickoff guy is, who your punter is, who's kicking extra points and field goals? It, that, I mean, isn't that something that you can figure out during camp as opposed to having to, to wait till you get into the season? And then if it goes off the rails, you fix it then, but, but feel pretty good about where you are going into those first couple of games? Yeah, I mean, the key is in camp to put, put your guys in game-like situations. I mean, don't, don't you know, put your first-team punt rush against the first-team punt team and, and teach that punter that like, he's, his handle's got to be quick. And, and allow them, I mean, you don't want to break his leg, but allow them to really get to him. Put your, put best on best on special teams. Um, and, and then in a, you know, in, in a field goal situation, like dial up some of your best field goal blocks to put that kicker in a situation. I mean, have people yelling, you know, do everything so that he can simulate that. Because, I mean, I can tell you the first game that I ever played was, was at Cal. Aaron Rodgers is actually the backup quarterback. And we were in the, you know, the side, on the side of the mountain at Berkeley. And while it was a lot like it, it was just like there is something completely different now. I've been on a college roster for two years. Now I'm in my first game. It's, you can't simulate that. So the best thing you can do special teams-wise is to put them in high-pressure situations and let them be cool, under pressure, so that the, the bridge of the game is better. So we see coaches sometimes like at the end of practice. I mean, usually they've already made up their mind that it's okay not to run at the end of practice, and then they'll put it on the kicker. And you know, say, hey, you know, forty-two yard field goal from the left hash. If he makes it, nobody runs today. If he misses it, you've got you know, eight one tens or, or whatever it is. Does that work? Does that help? I think it. It depends on the kid specifically. The kid's got to you know, if he's if he's not shaky in confidence, you know, you just kind of know that from watching kids. I think that really builds trust. So you'll see some coaches, they don't even acknowledge their kicker like at the end of the game because they got so much trust in him. Some, you know, give him a pound, go do your thing. So, so things like that really instill. And I can tell you this, even when I played, guys acknowledge you for your craft. And when you're good at what you do, I mean, you're, the joke is with specialists and kickers, but it's situations like that when, yeah, in the coach's mind, it's settled, but when he lets, when a kicker lets everybody off from running 10 or 15 more sprints, he's the hero for the day. And that can really develop team chemistry down the, down the line. All right, so there, there is always this perception 
that there is nobody that has it easier in practice, especially during two-a-days, like when you were playing, when that was still a thing, than kickers. So, you know, there, there are stories about them, you know, sneaking off to the training room and hanging out, going back to the locker room and taking naps, you know, going inside the stadium saying we need to kick inside the stadium instead of on the practice field and figuring out a way to hook up a video game console to the video board. I've heard that before. Uh, what did you do? Did, did you actually practice during practice, or were you one of those guys that was, you know, looking to take a nap? No, I mean, we, we worked hard. You know, we, we got – we were quality over quantity. Um, but, I mean, the, the first, my first two-a-days, uh, the first year I started, I was in a battle the, the entire season. The best one that I ever heard, it happened before I got in Southern Miss. They didn't – it was like in the late 90s when those teams were rolling. They did not have a special teams coach, and somehow nobody checked on them. Midway through practice, they left and went and canoed the Okatoma in seminary. No. <laughs> hey, Dad, you remember where the Okatoma is? We talked about it coming home tonight. I do. It says right and there I, on the billboard I, that uh, the canoes are available. I think that was the same year they won a conference championship. So somebody should try that again. But yeah, I mean, we we worked, we we did our work, and then yeah, we we uh, went over and watched the rest of the practice. There you go. Okay, Luke Johnson. It's always fun, buddy. Thanks. You guys have a great day. Keep cool. Have you ever canoed the Okatoma? Tons of times. Is that something I should put on the uh, the list of things to do in my life? Mississippi Whitewater. You should try it. I love it. Thanks, Luke. Luke Johnson, co-host of the Super Talk Eagle Hour, available to you at supertalk.fm and on demand as a podcast. Luke joining us on the Farm Bureau Guest Line. Mississippi. Conversation as always with Luke Johnson from the Eagle Hour on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Canoeing the Okatoma. Didn't Betts... Eh, never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Um, will you ever canoe the Okatoma? I have not. Interested in it? Road trip? Yeah, let's try it. Let's do it one day. We'll do that on one of those weekends where nobody's got anything going on. October 14th. I thought it was... Is it October 14th where the three are off? Yeah. That is the day. No, I'm not going canoeing on the Okatoma on October the 14th. I mean, it sounds great. No, it's no, possible. I'd be, a, no, I'd be great. Yes, yes. Um, hey, Dad, we got a question on the ceasefire text line. You're probably more qualified to answer this. What is the status of Braden Montgomery? Hadn't heard anything He's still about in the that portal. in a while. Still in the portal. Uh, it's probably going to come down to a decision between going to Mississippi State 
and going back to Stanford. Uh, don't really have a good feel for one way or the other if he's leaning. Um, State has not been very successful in the portal uh, through this uh, this summer so far. Have, uh, have missed out on, on their number one target, which was to try to get a competent and quality Friday night guy. Don't have that uh, from the portal. Uh, Montgomery is a guy that I've been saying, you know, I, I viewed him as a luxury more than anything else. You know, I thought the lineup was already pretty good. He would certainly make it one of the best hitting lineups in college baseball. But that being said, if they're not any better in the pitching department, they're going to have to be one of the best hitting lineups in college baseball. Because right now, what State's going to have to rely on is guys like Bradley Lofton, Gerangelo Sanjay, uh, Evan Sieri, uh, uh uh, Colby Holcomb, those guys have got to be much better than they were a season ago for State to have any chance of postseason play this year. Okay. All right. So we just wait. Is LSU out of it now? I think so. I think that I think that's it's between a return home or a return to Stanford. Okay. LSU just couldn't afford it or oh, I don't think it was an NIL thing. I mean this this is a guy who, you know, he knows he's gonna be a top tw- that was a joke. I know, I know, but I'm gonna. But there are people who need the context. Ah. Okay. Yes, he is going to be a top draft pick. He's a two way player that is kind of settled into mostly just in the outfield. Right? Did he, did he pitch this year also? I'm not sure if he did or not. I know he he can pitch, and I, I don't know that if State would bring him in to pitch. Ah. But as a as a hitter, he's outstanding. Yeah, he's really really good. Uh, Will, we got a question for you on the C Spire text line as well. Uh, he said, since Will's here, can we talk a little bit about what 7A football is going to be like this year? So they announced, what, about a year ago that they were adding a classification. The biggest schools, uh, the biggest 6A schools mm-hmm. are making the jump from 6A to 7A. Uh, what's that going to look like? <sighs> It's hard to say right now, but I think it's going to make the game a little bit more exciting because you did have some schools that, because of the range of number of... The more students you have in a school, typically the better it is, right? And the less competition you have in that county for kids, it's better. It's the reason why Starkville's so good, right, over the years. Used to, back in the olden days, hey, Dad, you remember this, you had... You know, West Octibaha and East Octibaha and all these mm-hmm. other little schools. Well, now all those kids who would have played football there are now at Startville, and they have, you know, a, a, a big pool of talent to pick from. So I think what you're going to see is it'd be a lot more, uh, you're going to see a lot more uh, competition. Um, I think that kind of like, the NFL is you don't know who's going to win on any given Sunday. I think you're going to see a little bit more, not a lot, but a little bit more of that on Friday nights. Um, and it's going to make some exciting games out there as well. We, Luke and I were talking um, um, before he went on the air about some of the big games that are coming up, and we're going to preview some of those as we get closer to the season. But just looking at the list of teams out there, I think that – Region two of six A was always like the SEC West. It had uh, you know parts came and went, but you had Madison Central, and then you had South Panola in there for a little while, um, and you had some other big teams. I, I think that's going to be a little bit more kind of diverse this go around with seven A. I think you're going to see uh, some 
not-so-typical champion, regional champions, that you haven't seen in a, a, quite a while. You're not going to see those you know, dominant runs where, where teams win six or seven years in a row, uh, division or regional championship. 7A, you got 24 teams. DeSoto Central is the biggest high school by enrollment in Mississippi. number they're going with on the MHSAA website is 1,553. The smallest 7A school is also a DeSoto County school, Lewisburg at 960. Uh, your 7A teams are DeSoto Central, Tupelo, Ocean Springs, Northwest Franken, South Haven, Oak Grove, Clinton, Gulfport, Biloxi, Madison Central, Brandon, Harrison Central, the Iberville, Germantown, Hernando, Starkville, Horn Lake, Meridian, St. Martin, Oxford, Petal, Murrah, and Pearl, and Lewisburg. So those are the 24 schools that will make up 7A. Four o'clock hour, coming up with you next. Talk Mississippi. Here we, here we go, go. Super Talk Mississippi. Hour on Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Thursday afternoon. Richard Cross and Brian Haydad, Michael Borky's out. Got Will East in for him. Thank you for being part of the Odyssey this afternoon. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the Geyser Falls Water Park. Geyserfalls.com. You can find out all the information you need. You can even check out the video that they've got on the Geyser Falls website. Brian Haydad floating on an odyssey in the Lazy River. Got an obsession with that word. Did that make you Ulysses? Who am I? Achilles? Hector? Who am I? Just call me Homer. Okay. Yeah, well, I do that many times. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Perhaps not the same context, but yes. <laughs> Ceasefire text lines open to you at 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet. Ceasefire.com slash business. Hey, so I was doing a little bit of thinking, dangerous I know, uh, about the uh, the shirts giveaway that uh, people have asked about, a lot of people responded to. Here's what I'm thinking, hey, Dad. I'm thinking 10 days of trivia. Okay, I like that. You, You like it? I do. But we got to have good trivia questions. Not, you know, like we ask a question and all of a sudden 17 people pop up with the answer three seconds later. So I got to do some work and come up Perhaps with Perhaps I can be of service. Maybe. Maybe we can, we can kind of split it up a bit and see if we can come up with some good, interesting questions. And uh, I, I talked with Blake or texted with Blake at Genteel, and he said that, yes, they are fully licensed with Southern Miss. So we will be able to do some of the uh, Southern Miss logo shirts as well. So, uh, yeah, we'll have some fun with that. We'll do some, some Ole Miss stuff, some state stuff, some Southern Miss stuff, and maybe some Super Talk stuff as, uh, as well. Ten days of trivia is what I'm thinking, and uh, maybe we'll start that next week. So um, I actually want to go back before we get too far away from the conversation about the, the new football regions. Will and I were talking about this some during the break. So 
in 7A, and that's what the question originally was about, Region 1 of 7A is five DeSoto County schools and Oxford. DeSoto Central, Hernando, Horn Lake, Lewisburg, South Haven, Oxford. So the road trips for Oxford got a lot easier this year. <laughs> I mean, it's an hour to all of those schools as opposed to having to make the trip to Madison Central or make the uh, you know the trip to you know more central Mississippi and and vice versa. No more uh, no more little egg bowl that's a Not regional a region game. Oh. Yeah. 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 When that started, that. Starkville was 6A and Oxford was 5A, I think. Yes, yes. And then in the last round of re- reclassification, they were both 6A and ended up being placed in the same region. So Oxford leaves the region that it was playing in that included Tupelo and Starkville and Madison Central. South Panola was in there for a while. They weren't yeah, last. They weren't this last time. Yeah. Uh, but for a long time, they were. Um, were Northwest Rankin and Columbus? No, Northwest also? Rankin's three. No. Okay. Region three of seven. Or is Columbus in that? In that, that no, no, Columbus was a 5A school. They're, I think they're staying a 5A school. They're going to be paired up with West Point. West Point, Lafayette. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, uh, all right, so there we go. 5A, uh, Region 1. Actually, Columbus is not in that group. Region one of five A Clarksdale, Clarksdale, Corinth, Lafayette, New Hope, Pontotoc, and West Point. Columbus is six A. They're they're in region uh, two of six A. They're going to be ooh. There was they're going to be with Neshoba Central, who's been really good recently. Ridgeland, which has had an awesome offense the past couple of years. Vicksburg, who's had an awesome defense the past couple of years, and then Warren Central. Warren Central and Vicksburg are back in the same classification and the same region, which means the Red Carpet Bowl will mean a lot more, Ooh, even yes though Vicksburg hasn't won it in what? Got to go back to I the. I think they've only won it like three times ever. You got to go back to like the like mid that. 90s, right? The first time Vicksburg beat Warren Central was my senior year of high school, 93. And they had played, I think, gotcha. 10, 11. <laughs> I think they had played like 10 or 11 times before that. Still had the leather helmets and, yeah. Yeah. thought you were going to get away from the old man jokes with Borky gone, <laughs> and yet. Yeah, I know. Well, so that, how about this for Region 2 of 7A? Clinton, Germantown, Madison Central, Starkville, Tupelo. That's it. Five. Five teams in 7A Region 2. Four, th- three so of the best that teams. One team from that region will not go to the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, I think looking at last year's standings, I think Germantown would have been the odd person out there. But, I mean, all of the – I mean, Tupelo's been very good. They've had, you know, a couple undefeated seasons in recent memory. They were number one in the state most of the year. Number one in the state until they got to the playoffs. Startville won a, you know, state championship. Uh, Madison Central has won a state championship. Clinton's won a state championship in recent memory. Yeah. Oof. Uh-oh. All right. So when is the first scoreboard show, by the way, Will? I don't know if we've have we said that. It's on August twenty fifth, I believe. So twenty fifth or twenty fourth. Two Fridays from now. Yeah. yeah. Or three Fridays from now. Three Fridays from now. Wait, are you sure it's not sooner than that? No, I'm. That, that doesn't sound right. I'm a million yeah. percent sure. <laughs> he would. Reason, you think he would know, know. I know, and I know. 
Region 3 of 7A, Brandon, Meridian, Northwest Rankin, Oak Grove, Pearl, and Petal. You know, that's been kind of what region ah, Petal and 3 7A. of 6A. Yeah. Um, but Oak Grove, I mean, you got, think about that when you've got Oak Grove and Brandon uh, along with Pearl. You know, a lot of these schools have been really, really good. Uh, Northwest Rankin, Meridian has struggled the past couple of years. Northwest Rankin has been better. Um, so that's that's another stacked one, and then on the coast, hmm. you've got Biloxi, D'Aberville, Gulfport, Harrison Central, Ocean Springs, and Saint Martin. You know, Ocean Springs been has been pretty good the past good. two years, but they lost um, um, Bray Brace and Hubbard. Hubbard. Yeah, and then I guess D'Aberville's probably been the of the past ten years has probably been the best team out of that bunch. Uh, you know the coast, the the larger schools on the coast have just really struggled to get beyond the semifinals. I don't think they've made a um, a South State title game, and gosh, it's been like ten years, something like that. Wow, it's crazy to me when you think about that with the coast. When you, you think about the size of those high schools, Ocean Springs, third largest high school in the state, Gulfport is top ten, Biloxi's top ten. Yeah, the Iberville and Harrison Central are both top. 12. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, it's uh, your little high school football teaser. So, uh, football season, high school football season is just around the corner. I could have sworn that it was like next week was Jamboree week, and then the first week of the season was the week after that. So, but I'm the MAIS schedule is ahead of that, right? MAIS starts in two weeks. Yeah. That would make sense, though. Are we allowed to talk mean, about the big news in MAIS today, by the way? Well, I, I was going to mention that. Uh, yeah. I don't have the press release in front of me, but that was kind of a shock this today. So Hartfield Academy is ineligible for the postseason in football, and they have two coaches that are suspended and cannot coach in games for the entirety of the season. They can coach in practices but not games. Um was it St. Joe that Jackson St. Joe, yeah. Yeah, Jackson St. Joe brought a recruiting tampering allegation against Hartfield Academy. And they just didn't say, hey, they're trying to get our guys. They brought phone records and video and taped conversation <laughs> and documents. Um that they, they came loaded and I, for bear and the decision And I learned the, something today. MAIS board I learned that uh, unanimous 90. Yeah. I learned that it's totally okay for private schools to recruit kids from public schools, but you can't recruit kids from other private schools. Well, you can't get caught recruiting but kids from other private you can't, schools. Right. Yes, correct. So <laughs> I've been saying for years for St. Al, like, let's put some money together, head over to Vicksburg and Warren Central and say, who are your best five players? Guess what? You got a full scholarship to St. Aloysius now. In particular, Hartfield coaches were clearly seen on video addressing multiple parents and a student from St. Joe in the visitor stands on the upper deck of the gym during a basketball game played at Hartfield. They were recruiting my games. <laughs> this was this was in the press release. Like like what Will just read was in the press release. That's not like always oh, just telling you something about it. Um so yeah. <laughs> At halftime, you guys go up there. We got a presentation for you. We'd like to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Somebody load up this PowerPoint. <laughs>
put it on the video <laughs> Sports Teller. Ooh, they just got a student up there with a bunch of slides just holding them up. Oh, man. Uh, we got more coming up with you. Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We will be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Now. Now. Melissa tells us on the ceasefire text line that Heritage Academy plays Hartfield next Friday night. Grief, that's early. So now they don't, right? I mean, you you literally did not listen to a thing that we talked about, right? <laughs> I listened to the whole thing. Did I did I did I mistake something? I made a mistake. Is that how you treat people who make mistakes, Richard Cross? I just assumed you were like playing FIFA on your phone over there or something, and. I don't know. Is that even a thing? FIFA on your phone? It's not. Uh, it's not. They are not eligible for the postseason, and they have two coaches that cannot coach in games but can coach in practice. Okay, I misread that year. thing entirely. And, okay. And they got popped with a $7,500 fine. You know, we make fun of fines sometimes, but it feels like to a, a academy, $7,500, that, that, that's a chunk. It feels like that's a chunk. I feel like that's a bigger fine than some NCAA schools get penalized by the NCAA. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so, good to know. Don't, Gosh and Laurel Hartfield. Don't, don't talk bad about me around Melissa from Starville, too. She doesn't like you. Yeah, well, you, you, you told her that they weren't playing the game, and she's like, yeah, they are. My husband's no. on staff on one of the teams, so, okay. Um. So that was fun. High school football conversation here in uh, early August. It's close. It is. Uh, it is very, very close. I would like to go into our vault. Inside the vault, we keep the page that has Brian Haydad's wonderful world of football, college football questions for twenty twenty three. You you don't seem excited about this. Oh, I am excited. I'm excited. We're we're we're, we're finally going to use some of the fruits of my labor. Mm-hmm. Well, your labor is so minimal. <laughs> we got a we got a grab the, guy the fruit. Who, says the can. guy who works. Says the guy who works 14 days a month. Continue though. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Johnny Carson hours around here. He's like like Clint Eastwood. Let's get it done so I can hit the links. (laughs) He's got Joan Rivers coming in for him every Friday. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, is that possible? uh, No, it's not possible. No. No, I'm pretty sure she's dead. (laughs) Well, I didn't mean Joan Rivers, actually. I meant someone to play the role of Joan Rivers so that I could play golf on Friday. It's a great idea. I don't know who'd want to play that role. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the the way he did did this, he he took the five Power Five conferences as they were at that time, uh, and as they are going to be, or at least we thought they were going to be next year, 
Uh, and he went ahead and slid, well, he didn't actually yet, but, but the basis of his question comes from the Big Ten. He said, if, if UCLA and USC were in the Big Ten this year, what would it be like? How would that change how you look at the Big Ten this season? Would it change how you look at the Big Ten this season if Southern Cal and UCLA were all, for, for 2023 were playing in the Big Ten? What a good-looking question. Uh, I mean, USC would be right there, right? They have the best quarterback in college football, so that, that solves half of your problems. Um, defensively, I think they would struggle, especially with Michigan and the way they can run the football, but they can go point for point with just about anybody. Um, so I think they'd be in the mix with, with Michigan and Ohio State. UCLA, that's probably more, yeah, they're probably behind Wisconsin and Penn State. To, you know, in that six, seven, eight range, Ooh. somewhere in there. So you you've got UCLA in this imagined scenario behind mm-hmm. Michigan, Ohio State, Southern Cal, Penn State, and Wisconsin. Anybody else? Yeah, I mean, I don't know enough about them, or I can't separate enough, but to take you know, like Iowa, Purdue. Minnesota. I mean, those these teams are kind of all lumped together, sort of like we've talked about with the SEC West, like three through seven. Pull the names out of the hat in the Big Ten right now, as it is. Once you get past Wisconsin and Penn State, you can find. You know, I know Northwestern's going to be last, so after that, I can I can I'm just pulling names out of a hat. Ruck, I mean, if Rutgers finished seven and five and and sixth in the Big Ten, is anybody just completely mesmerized by that? I don't or think Maryland. So. Maryland would, yeah. Maryland's a good choice because, I mean, they got a veteran quarterback. Loxley's a good coach. So we'll see. Would you pick. So, yeah, that's where I would put UCLA. Yeah. Would you pick Southern Cal to beat Ohio State? Where's the game? Indianapolis. Oh, it's in the Big Ten Championship game. No, 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 no. Uh, I just picked a random neutral site. Oh, okay. Then, then isn't that where the Big Ten Championship game is? It's yeah, in Indianapolis, it's, isn't it? it is. Okay. Um, on a neutral site, I would say maybe. At, at Columbus, I would say no. At in LA, I would still say maybe. I think Ohio State's just a little bit more talented than they are. What, I'm assuming you would not pick USC to beat. Michigan. We're not picking them to beat Michigan. No, Mich- that, Michigan's that feels, so physical. I think yeah, they would like struggle. Clash of style. I mean, it's the same thing, right? It's the same thing you think about when you think it, about Michigan, Ohio State. Yeah, or, or you know, like when Georgia plays a team like that, I just feel like they would just punch them in the mouth, and that would be that. All right, hey Dad, I got. Hey, yeah, this is. Don't do the oh you're an idiot for asking this question thing. <sighs> it's, not, it's not for asking this question. Is Iowa? more suited to beat Michigan than Ohio State Ooh. is? I see where you're going with that. Mm-hmm. The answer is no, because Ohio State is so supremely talented that if Michigan makes mistakes, they'll capitalize and beat them. And and and, and, Michi- and Ohio State you know, could just break big plays on, on Michigan. That's what they were doing early in the game last year. Iowa... 
is. We also would assume that Iowa probably couldn't score. That that's that, and if I if Michigan made mistakes, I don't know that Iowa necessarily could capitalize on them. That being said, I would expect Iowa to keep the game close. Whereas Ohio State, I mean, they got run off the field last year by Michigan. I don't know that that would happen to Iowa. What a weird question because Ohio State is such a better team than Iowa. But I'm just sitting here telling you that, well, right. Iowa could keep it close, but Ohio State could get run off the field. It doesn't. It does, that, 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 that takes wrapping your brain around. Last year, in Iowa City, week five, Michigan 27, Iowa 14. Yeah. Right. Iowa is was elite defensively a year ago. Unfortunately, they were inept offensively. Putrid, if you will. Is Penn State physical anymore? You know, when Moorhead was there and they had Saquon Barkley and their best receiver was a tight end, what was his name? Gaminski? He played for the Dolphins. I can't remember his name. Um, We'll go with that. Yes, they were then. Yeah, sure. sure. Why not? doesn't matter what his name is. You know, now with Drew Allar there, I mean, I feel like they're going to throw the ball a lot more. And I don't know, you know, Penn State used to be running back you, right? I mean, they were just year after year, you could count on them to have a thousand yard guy. And I don't know that they're that way anymore. Not since Saquon. Well, the year after Saquon left, they had Miles Sanders, and he was really good. Yeah, but I mean, you, you want to go back farther. I mean, you can go Kajana Carter, you can go Larry Johnson. Oh, those, I mean, yeah, and 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 Curtis Enos, and then then uh, you know, go back to like DJ Dozier and all those guys. I mean, yeah, Penn State was running back you. They haven't been that recently. Defensively, they're still physical, but again, they're not putting out the same level of talent that they used to. There's not a there's not there's not a, a name that you just circle at Penn State and say, okay, that's a guy you've got to, to account for on every play, like they had when Lavar Arrington was there. You know that none of those guys are the all time leading rusher at Penn State. None of the guys with Franco Harris. Nope. Evan Oyster would never could have been here all day, buddy. Could have, could have sat here all day. Never would have said his name. 3,932 yards played 07 to 2010. Saquon Barkley, number two all time. He did it in three years. Yeah, Carter. Yeah, no. yeah. Yeah. I think Kajana Carter is probably who I would have guessed, but no, that's not it. That's who I would have that guessed. Is, uh, that's, that's who I would have guessed, for sure. Hmm. I said that uh, Wisconsin. He thought Wisconsin was running back you. I mean, they would certainly have an argument to it as well. Yeah, they've got an argument. So does Texas. Auburn can make an argument. All-time leading rusher at Wisconsin. I bet you can name the top three. Ron Dane. Yep, number one. Uh, Melvin Melvin Gordon. No. No? No. Michael Bennett. No, never mind. I can't name the top three. Uh, Ron Dane. Jonathan Taylor and Monte oh, Taylor, Ball. Yeah. Monte Ball. Ah, I had a lot of choices. Ron Dane had over seven thousand yards rushing. He was good at Wisconsin. Fun to watch. All right, that's Hey Dad's wonderful world of football. Coming up next, we'll go back to the countdown of one hundred teams in one hundred days. Here comes more sports talk, Mississippi. You ready, guys? On Super Talk, Mississippi. Oh! 
Talk Mississippi. If you want to be part of the conversation, you can do so on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. New stuff from C Spire. And this is good stuff if you are a parent, especially if you are a parent of a child who is in the 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old range and up, but especially those ages because that is the age where the question, if you are a parent, comes in, can I get a phone? 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 Over and over and over. And you're worried, right? You're worried about just giving your kid a phone. One, it's expensive, and two, there's a lot of bad stuff out there. Well, introducing the new Connect and Protect plan from Ceasefire, the phone your kids want, with easy-to-use parental controls for you. And it's just $30 a month with AutoPay. Connect and Protect gives you tools to easily track your kids' location, restrict content, limit screen time, and help protect them online. Plus, right now you can get the iPhone 12 for less than $11 a month or get a free TCL Stylus 5G. No trade-in needed. Learn more online at cspire.com. Cspire, customer-inspired. Let's pick things up with the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. This day is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. This day is bananas. 100 teams in 100 days. Okay, ready? Three, two, one. Team number 31 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. Hokey, hokey, hokey high. Virginia Tech out of the ACC is team number 31 on the countdown. Virginia Tech last year. Went just 3-8 in Brent Pry's second season. You remember their game against Virginia at the end of the year was canceled because of the tragedy with the um, the, the players, the, the, the death, uh, the shooting death at uh, the University of Virginia. So 11-game season last year, year one for Brent Pry. He brought in a new quarterback a year ago, brought in the Marshall transfer um, Grant Wells. Wells threw four interceptions in, in his first game, but Brent Price stuck with him, and it paid off. Wells ended up having a pretty good season. Pretty good being the operative word. Threw for a little over 2,000 yards, nine touchdowns, nine interceptions. It just wasn't a very good offense a year ago. So Brent Price has gone to the transfer portal once again, and this time he has brought in Chiron Drones, a sophomore transfer from Baylor. So we'll see how it goes. He gives the Hokies a highly recruited quarterback. So it should be a little bit more experienced unit on the offensive side this year that has more talent also. I feel like we just became so accustomed to seeing Virginia Tech as not just a top 10 team, but what we felt like was kind of a top 10 program. Yeah. Under Frank Beamer. And, yeah, every year. You know, if you want to rewind to the late 90s when Jim Druckenmiller was their quarterback, 
And then you start rolling it forward into the Michael Vick era, and, man, it was great. So I, I played you the fight song, but that's certainly not the song that you associate with Virginia Tech. This is what you associate with Virginia Tech. Never been to a game at Lane Stadium, hey, Dad. That's one I'd like to go to. Yeah, I'm with you on that. This has got Virginia Tech on the schedule down the line. I believe that's correct. I can double-check that. Thanks to our friends at FBSschedules.com. Like 14 years from now or something. When they got a night game and that whole place is bouncing around to enter Sandman and they do the Let's Go Hokies cheer and, you know, the whole deal, it it looks as good as any environment in college football. You only got to wait nine years. Twenty thirty-two, Ole Miss at Virginia Tech, September fourth. Ooh, opening the opening weekend at, at, at Lane Stadium. That, I, I believe got, Richard Cross will be there. Well, maybe that that's kind of got an ESPN primetime feel to it, right? Yeah, you know, it depends on what the team. I mean, we're talking about nine years down the road. Let's, you know, it depends on what the teams are, obviously, but. Yeah, that's, but, got, I mean, that's a that's a quality out of conference game for week one for sure. Huh. Well, we know that the ACC is still going to be in their rights deal with ESPN, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll still have like four years left on the deal at uh, at that point. So yeah, we'll we'll see. Long way off. Twenty thirty two. Got me wondering here. I don't know. Stay. I don't know states opening weekend for twenty thirty two. Then the week. The second week, they're at Tulane. Hmm. Well, I mean, that can have some juice in it, though. For I mean, that Labor yeah. Day weekend. Ooh, hey dad, yeah. hey dad. In our nation's capital, you had that in Washington. That is a game that could get pushed to Monday Labor Day night. Good. Good. Uh, again, if yeah. Virginia Tech another. is relevant and Ole Miss is relevant at the time. Who knows? A long way off. Anyway, so you think Virginia Tech takes a step forward? New quarterback, the uh, the Baylor transfer and Kyron Drones, uh, year two for Brent Pry, a schedule that I think is manageable. Old Dominion, yeah. They get Purdue and Rutgers in weeks two and three. I don't know if they're auditioning for the Big Ten. And then they might as well be at this point. Yeah, I know. Um, can they? I mean, can they be back to 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 what? To seven and five in a bowl game, feeling better about their program? Sure. Can they be back to the late nineties Virginia Tech consistent top ten? No, I think those days are gone forever. Forever? I don't know that. I mean, it's going to be tough because I mean they're not. In a position right now, you got to. Whenever you answer that question, now you have to look at it through the lens of realignment a little bit. Like, where is Virginia Tech going to be in five years? ACC might not exist. Big Ten going to take them in? Seems unlikely. Big Twelve, maybe. You know, I don't know. Now, of course, the thing is, though, as Michael Vick shows you at Virginia Tech, you're just one transcendent player away. If there's another player out there that can, you know, I'm not saying there's another Michael Vick. But if there's another great quarterback that wants to go to Virginia Tech, then they've got something there. Yeah. And, and it feels like that means you got to have another stud 
stud quarterback come out of the Virginia Beach, Baltimore, D.C., Richmond mm-hmm. area. And then they've got to figure yeah. out how to keep that guy in state. In the, what do they call it, the yeah. DMV, the, the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area? Yes. Where, where they recruit heavily. All right, let's do this. Virginia Tech schedule. Give me wins and losses. Right. Old Dominion. Sure. Purdue. Yeah, win. We'll give them a win. Loss. At Rutgers. Probably a win. At Marshall. Don't sleep on Charles Huff, man. Uh, loss. You've got them winning in Piscataway but losing in Huntington? I would take Marshall okay. to go up to Piscataway and win. All right, so two and two. Pittsburgh? Mm-hmm. Loss. Florida State? Loss. Wake Forest? Win. Okay, so they are three and four going into the open date. Syracuse on a Thursday night at home. Where? At home, when? Lane Stadium. All when? right, so they're even when? at four and four. At Louisville. Loss. At Boston College. Win. NC State at home. Loss. At Virginia. Virginia's not supposed to be very good this year. Let's say win. All right, that's six and six. That's Virginia Tech back in a bowl game in year two under Brent Pry. Uh, Virginia Tech headed to Yankee Stadium for the Pinstripe Bowl, probably based off of, uh, <laughs> Sounds about right. off of that projection. Uh, yeah. CC and Cenotopia says, "So, are y'all about ready for some football?" I think he's trying to get you to do a hotty toddy there. Hey, Dad, he gives you know he gives you some. Are you ready? Uh, Undoable. Yeah. How do you not say that? You know, for the right price, I'll say anything. I guess. Mm-hmm. It's uh, a big number, though. I, I love this interaction. How do they get Metallica? And we get some stupid songs that they play at Davis Wade Stadium. You responded. <laughs> How did you respond, Hey, Dad? They literally come on the field to for whom the bell tolls. And he says, "Oh, yeah." You got me there. <laughs> By the way, do you guys think that State a 20 team SEC will be a thing? I hope not. We State will, literally uh, comes out to the better Metallica song. Oh, that's a hot take. Oh, no, no. Will, not is that a hot take? Uh, it's, well, in, in Metallica fandom, no. But for the mass audiences, yes, that's a hot take. All right, Sports Talk Mississippi. We're back after this. Mississippi. Here's more. Super Talk. Mississippi. Mississippi is brought to you by M-Trade Park in Oxford. Visit them online at mtradepark.com. M-Trade kind of slowed down during the month of July. Hot and heavy on tournaments starting in February, running through the end of June. Then they slow down a little bit for July, 
But August is when things start to ramp back up with baseball tournaments that are going to get going for the fall, softball tournaments that are going to get going, um, and then uh, we'll have some soccer as well. Uh, preseason invitational girls weekend, Oxford 12 and 13th, then boys weekend the next, and a USSA fast pitch tournament on August 19th, and then a baseball tournament the last weekend in the month of August as well. You can see the full calendar of events and the uh, upcoming events at M-Trade Park online at their website, mtradepark.com. All 14 baseball-slash-softball fields have turf infields with natural grass outfields, and they are in fantastic shape. Even the field's got a chance to breathe for about a month in July. But about to get ramped up, if you are involved in the scheduling, make sure that your team is playing at M-Trade Park in Oxford. If they're going to play... Play M-Trade. So, today for the college football fix, to, to start the 5 o'clock hour, we're going to do a little bit of a, a run around the SEC, kind of check in um, a note from Auburn, a note from LSU, got one from Arkansas. So we'll just kind of bounce around Not the league. Not four notes from LSU? Say what? Not four notes from LSU? Dun, 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 dun. Uh, but yeah. that was first, a recruiting pitch from Tennessee's wide receiver Squirrel White. By the way, was <laughs> Squirrel was Squirrel on the All Name team? He was not. That tells you the quality and the depth of that team. That Squirrel White didn't make it, or the idiocy of the uh, idiocy of the person who put it together. Either way. So, Squirrel White was kind of in the shadows a year ago because they were so good with Jalen Hyatt and uh, Cedric Tillman. Tillman? Mm-hmm. Is that right? Cedric Tillman. Tillman. You're correct. You are correct. And so, this year, you are going to get the full Squirrel White experience, it appears. The, the guy that covers Tennessee at the Knoxville News Sentinel, John Adams, Ask Squirrel White what he would tell a wide receiver who was considering Tennessee football. And he answered the question with two questions. His questions, do you like a 1,000 yards? Do you like touchdowns? I, like I mean, both of those things. That's, that's a pretty good recruiting, uh, recruiting pitch. Mm-hmm. But, but um, Adams wrote that it, it's... That's a simple but effective sales pitch, but it's not just what he said, but how persuasive he sounded when he said it. There was conviction in his voice. So he played enough a year ago that that you got a glimpse. But this kid can fly. I don't know. have, Have you dug in enough to Tennessee to feel like, you got a grasp on whether or not Squirrel White is able to replicate the numbers that Jalen Hyatt put up a year ago. Well, that's what they're counting on. You know, they, they, that's what they're wanting to see happen. They got to have somebody come in there and do that. And Squirrel White is, is is option one. And you combine an elite guy, an elite speed guy, with a guy who can throw it seventy five yards. Mm-hmm. And you got something there. You got something that teams should fear. So. If Milton and White can be, be, you know, the kind of connection that Hooker and Hyatt were, goodness gracious! I mean, the Tennessee won't miss a beat. Jalen Hyatt last year, 
if you need a reminder, 67 catches, 1,267 yards. He averaged almost 19 yards per catch and had 15 touchdowns. Squirrel White, as a freshman last year, had 30 catches. So it's yeah, Ramel Keaton, Squirrel White, Brew McCoy, kind of the, the three names that you uh, recognize that return on this Tennessee team from uh, from a year ago. And, yeah, it's not just old fast receiver. It's what you said, right? It's, it's Joe Milton and the rocket arm. It's the speed and the quickness with Squirrel White. It's the pace that Tennessee's offense plays. And mm-hmm. it's the type of game that, that Josh Heupel calls. They throw a lot of shots. Yeah. They take a ton yeah. of shots down the field. Drives defenses yeah. nuts. You know what I mean? It's just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Good thing they've got a Come swirl. on, guys. Come on. What are we doing here? <laughs> I got it. I got it. Hmm. Squirrel White, by the way, 10 400-meter guy. That is Faster than that woman moving. from Somalia. Times two, right? Times two. I watched that video. I would smoke that woman. You think? Oh, yeah. Five o'clock hour, college football fix, coming up next. Super Talk Mississippi. Check the Are you ready? Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi. Our Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Pearl River Resort, home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, two 18-hole championship courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. You can book your tee time online at dancingrabbitgolf.com and be sure to check out pearlriverresort.com. Ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395. Introducing the new Connect and Protect plan from Ceasefire, the phone your kids want with easy-to-use parental controls just for you. Just 30, excuse me, $30 a month with auto pay. Learn more at cspire.com. Ceasefire, customer inspired. Sports Talk is also brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. And the idea that we hatched in the uh, first hour of the show today, I guess it was, is that we will have the uh, Genteel 10 Days of Trivia coming your way soon, and uh, we'll give you a chance to uh, win some Genteel merchandise. But in the meantime, you can buy it for yourself online at genteelapparel.com. Check out the Collegiate Collection, helping you look your best in the Grove, in the Junction, or at the Rock this year with uh, licensed merchandise from Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Southern Miss, and others, genteelapparel.com. You look like you had something you wanted to say. I was like, we just made that 10 days of trivia happen, didn't we? It was just a, a concept an hour ago, and now it's it's official. Well, I mean, why not? You come up yeah. with a good idea, just run with it. Yeah, I agree. 
I mean, should we have asked someone permission? No. Nah. I mean, who, Will's here. He thought it was an okay idea. Who Who are we asking for permission? We run this thing. <laughs> yeah. 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 I will tell you, you might want to save the C Spire text line, have it in your phone with speed dial ready to go on those text messages for uh, when it is time to have that uh, trivia contest. All right. Let us get to the college football fix. College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Check them out online at buyfordnow.com. You uh, you got some good stuff that's uh, happening at Ford, including the summer sales event. Great deals on Ford trucks and SUVs. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. So let's bounce around the SEC the headline for this story at ESPN, hey, Dad, was simply, Hugh Freeze is uncomfortable as Auburn Stop. opens case. Uh, Sorry. We could, have, we could have gone so many places with just Hugh Freeze is uncomfortable, but we'll, we'll stick with what the actual He needs to relax. He needs to you know unwind a bit. There's places that you can go to do these things. Yeah. Somebody he actually, give you an open hand. He actually says he's a little anxious. Um, Hugh Freeze. Hate it when that happens. In his first year at Auburn, has uh, opened preseason camp. They opened today, and says there's a lingering sense of doubt because of all the new players who were not with the team during the spring, including eight transfers. He says, "quote It makes me feel a little bit anxious that I may be behind in our evaluation of who we are and what we can do. Maybe we are. That's a feeling I have to battle. So." To me, the the this was the single most telling quote. This is the most uncomfortable fall camp I'm going into, and it's because of this new world of roster turnover. We had players we added after spring ball, and one's a quarterback, and I haven't coached him a single practice, and everyone's asking, what do you think? I have no idea. Well, he may be uncomfortable with that, but he'd be a lot more uncomfortable going into the season with just Robbie Ashford as his quarterback. So I, th- I think he'll be okay. Robbie Ashford was a starter last year. He's back. So is redshirt freshman Holden Gurnier. Yeah. And they've got another true freshman in Hank Brown. Hugh Freeze says that he would like to narrow the quarterback competition to two quickly but he was not going to lay out an exact timetable on uh, when he was going to do that. And then he gives you the coach speak quote. You ready for this? I'm not sure sure we can't win games with several of them. Hmm. There you go. There you go. Has a coach ever given us an exact timetable on literally anything except the games? Like, I know when the games are, Coach, but has there ever been a coach who's like, yes, by the end of week two, we will know who our starting quarterback is one way or the other? There was always an exact timetable for Mike Leach press conferences. Later. <laughs> yeah. Whatever the time on the schedule is, it will be later I, than that. I'm back in the press conference game now. I'm excited. Oh, because they're going to be in the morning? Yeah. Ornette will probably have them done by noon at the latest. 
Uh, C Spire text line, Freeze knows what he's doing. He's setting up expectations. Well, let me ask you this. Is, is, he, is he tempering the expectations of Auburn fans to say, we're not there yet? Or does he believe they're going to be better than most people think and it's like an undersell, over-deliver thing? It could be both. It really could be both. Hmm. I have a note for you, by the way, for Mississippi State that I know you're not going to know. I'll throw it in real quick. I mentioned uh, yesterday that tomorrow is the first practice and it was supposed to be open to the media for the entirety of practice. That's no longer the case. Now it's only open for the final 20 minutes of practice. The final 20 minutes? Yes. Are they, like, doing nuclear codes on day one? Yes, they are. They actually are doing nuclear codes. That's the, that's the first thing you learn. By the way, there's never an explanation for why you're getting less practice no. viewing time. It's just, yeah. But literally, you got an email today. It was just like, hey, check the updated schedule. And I checked it, and I was like, oh, so I don't have to be there at 945 now. Great, okay. LSU will be without defensive line coach Jimmy Lindsey when they open, or when they opened to preseason camp today. They were without him. Brian Kelly announced yesterday that Lindsey is stepping away from the team to deal with a personal health matter. John Jancic, who is another assistant on the staff, will shift over to coach the defensive line. Bob Diaco, who is a senior defensive analyst, will slide into Jancic's vacated role as special teams coordinator and linebackers coach. Brian Kelly simply said in a statement, Our prayers are with Coach Lindsey and his family, and we ask that their privacy be respected. We look forward to his return to the program. I don't know what kind of an impact that has. I mean, I'm sure it has some level of impact. Right. You're shifting responsibilities around, but you've got a bunch of coaches on staff. You've got analysts who are veterans and coordinators in different spots in their career. I wouldn't imagine that this is anything that has a major effect on LSU. If you're not losing a coach who is a play caller, be it offensive or defensive, it feels like it's a manageable blow. You lose a coordinator, then you're then you've got issues. The one thing that does kind of stand out a little bit is the fact that there's going to be a heightened sense of urgency for everything that happens in LSU practice leading up to the start of season because of who they play in the opener. And I know it's the I know it's the the second year in a row that they've opened the season with Florida State going on the road this year to a, air quotes, neutral site. They're going to play it in Orlando. That will be a pro-Florida State crowd, big time. And we saw that a few years ago. What was it, 2016 when Ole Miss opened against Florida State on Labor Day night in Orlando at Camping World Stadium? And it was a probably a, I don't know, 70-30, 80-20 Florida State crowd. They'll show up in big numbers, especially this year, given the excitement that's around that Florida State program, and especially given the fact that the opponent is LSU. That place will be packed for opening night. And then uh, a note from Arkansas as well. This is probably not one that Arkansas fans are super fired up about. Arkansas football lost the commitment of four-star athlete Noreel White Earlier this week, Tuesday morning, he decommitted. The Ocean Springs, Mississippi native announced the news on his Twitter X account. 
with a short message thanking Sam Pittman and the staff before including the typical recruiting decommitment verbiage and jargon. Although he did not use with that being said, he used after much consideration. And and don't you love the um, I am decommitting from the University of Arkansas and reopening my recruitment. Arkansas will still be one of my top choices. Respect my decision. Seems unlikely. Seems uh, Just call me crazy. Uh, I saw today. Trending towards Ole Miss at this time. It is trending toward Ole Miss, but I did see that uh, Norreal White tweeted uh, a picture today of some Mississippi State stuff that uh, I guess had come Everybody's official offers went out uh, this week from everybody. There you go. That's your college football fix around the SEC. Coming up next, we will visit with our good friend, Bill Bender, from the Sporting News on the Farm Bureau Guest Line. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. And Super Talk TV, thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studio. It's always good to be with you, and uh, looking forward to a conversation with Bill Bender from the Sporting News coming up in uh, just a couple of minutes. He's going to join us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Told you earlier, we have football on the television tonight. If you weren't with us in the uh, 3 o'clock hour and you missed that news and it's kind of gotten lost in the shuffle for you, Hall of Fame game tonight from Canton with the Jets and the Browns and no, Aaron Rodgers will not be playing in the game. Uh, but we go back to college football right now with Bill Bender, uh, our good friend from the Sporting News, joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line and Good grief, Bill. It felt like we had finally gotten to the point where all of our focus could be on the upcoming season, and then the last two, three, four days have happened, and it's crazy. What, what are you hearing most recently, and, and maybe beyond what you're hearing, what do you anticipate at this point in terms of Pac-12, Big Ten, Florida State, ACC, et cetera? Other than that, <laughs> I yeah, mean, uh, other you know, than that, good afternoon. Right, right. Other than that, right. Uh, so, you know, it really hinges on the Pac-12 and, and what happens next with the Pac-12. Do those nine schools stick together? What does Arizona do? Do Arizona and Utah, Arizona State and Utah follow them to the Pac-12? What does the Big Ten do in response? Um, it's the Pac-12. And, and once that domino, we figure that out, everything else will fall into place, you know. From your neck of the woods, it looks like the SEC staying put. But the way Florida State trustee talked yesterday definitely has everybody's attention. And it has to when you're that loud about trying to break a grant of rights deal. We talked yesterday about kind of the working relationship that exists in the SEC between the league office, like the, the executive team at the league office, and not just the university athletics directors, but the university presidents. 
And, and I've got to believe that, you know, there are regular meetings that happen between conference leadership and ADs and presidents in all of these leagues. How does Florida State go into its next conference call or in-person meeting with all of its – uh, with all of its colleagues and with the people at the league office, I mean, how do they go into that after that <laughs> session that they had yesterday? Yeah, you know, somebody's going to look at them and, you know, if it was me and you, you'd probably look over and say, seriously? You know, what, what's going on, man? Um, yeah, and, and I think, but they have a point. And if Clemson were to join in that conversation, Clemson would have a point. I mean, if you look at the top 25 Power five schools by record in the playoff era. The only two ACC schools that can say we're doing that are Clemson and Florida State. So, with the revenue distribution, and when Florida State sees a TV deal that a Florida's getting, and they they've got what ten, fifteen, twenty million dollars less, of course they're going to be antsy about that because they want to compete in this twelve team era. And as I wrote for us today, Richard, um, the the more teams the Big Ten and the SEC add. I think it's... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We Uh-oh. lost Bill. He's still connected. Hmm. He disappeared into the ether. He got absorbed by the ACC or something. What happened? Well, uh, we will try to reconnect with Bill and see if we can uh, remedy that. I, he had me... It was like a cliffhanger, too. I don't know where he was going with that point. He was at the more teams the SEC... And the Big Ten ad, and they just disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, like Kaiser Sose. Yeah. Hey, Bill, you there? We will. Uh, we will try again with uh, with Bill here in uh, in just a second. Um, Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios, and it's uh, Bill. You left me on a cliffhanger. You, you went away as you were saying. The more teams the SEC and the Big Ten add, and then you were gone. Yeah, that would be bad for college football in some ways, and I think Greg Sankey knows that. That's why the SEC seems content to have 16 teams. Do we think Florida State has a landing spot? I mean, I felt like there were some really big statements that came out of those trustees, and maybe they were just blowing off steam. But, I mean, when they say, or they have a trustee that says something as definitive as, you know, by August 15th of 2025, at the latest, we need to be in a new home, is there a new home for Florida State? Well, if it's not the SEC, are they are they like appealing to the Big Ten? You know, which yeah. would be just the weirdest fit ever for somebody that lives up in Central Ohio. But as the joke goes, and, and I know you guys are probably familiar the uh, the Ohio and Florida man joke, so maybe maybe we're destined to be reunited <laughs> with those guys. I need to do a Google search for Ohio man. I, I am very familiar with the Florida man jokes, maybe less so with the uh, the Ohio man. Um, well, it, is... there's a twi- there's a thing out there. It's like Ohio or Florida, and this, the, I'll just say the stories are pretty similar and outlandish at the same time. Uh, maybe Ohio State to the SEC is what we really need out of this bill. <laughs> well, they would fit, you know, in terms of that. But, I mean, all of it, when all the dust settles after the Pac-12, I think, you know, what we're doing and what the SEC and the Big Ten are doing are they're positioning themselves to have as many teams as possible reach that 12-team playoff. Yeah. What is your gut on Arizona? My gut is they're really contemplating going to the Big 12 because they – 
not the football brand, but the money, the TV. The big thing that Mike Gundy said at Big 12 Media Day was future is secure through 2031, right? So this is a team that uh, will have a TV contract through 2031, and they can firm up their basketball and football as a result. Yeah. Are you of the opinion that Arizona and Arizona State are attached at the hip, that, that it's not a one can go and the other can't? Well, I mean, possibly. Certainly that's a definite possibility because you're dealing with two uh, schools that have an in-state relationship. The Board of Regents controls Arizona and Arizona State. And then right. if that happens, you have to wonder, well, is, is Utah going to go right out the door with them? Because that's been speculated about as well. You know, Bill, the, the thing that's fascinating to me about the, the Big Ten position and, and you know, everything can be negotiated, but the television networks have already laid out a ton of money for the Big Ten in this, you know, kind of triad TV partner deal with CBS and NBC and, and of course, Fox. But it doesn't appear that there's necessarily more money if they add more teams, and we've heard – you know, multiple reports about, okay, if Oregon and Washington made the move to the Big Ten, they would have to do so at a discount. Is that a scenario where new money can come in at, at some level, even if it's not at the full 70 or $80 million, maybe it's at the 40 or $50 million range, and that would be enough to entice them? Or is the pie that the current Big Ten teams are splitting going to have to get smaller? The, the slices? Yeah, that's what they – yeah, they're not going to want that. Right. So, you know, with Oregon and Washington in particular, I don't think the Big Ten's in a hurry to add them, but if they have to throw them a life preserver, they would. Where does that, from from where does that money come? Well, I mean, that's what they got to work out with the TV deal because you'll have to do it at a reduced rate. And I know Maryland and Rutgers got that deal, you know, at, when they came into the conference, there are still people that think Maryland and Rutgers are outsiders in the Big Ten. There are still people that think <laughs> Nebraska's an outsider in the Big Ten. So, again, I just, I kind of like where Greg Sankey's coming from. They've got 16. They're going to work in 16. They're not in a rush to expand. Why would they be in a rush to expand? And, and if the Big Ten acts irrationally here, it's really going to be different. You know, what is, maybe a more logical way to look at it would be, Maybe the Pac-12, if they don't stick together or Arizona leaves, they form some kind of merger with the Mountain West. It wouldn't be great, but it would allow the conference to survive. Yeah, at uh, at some level. You know, it's interesting. I asked Greg Sank, yeah, I'm sure everybody else did it at Media Days. I was like, the, the comments that he made about the SEC kind of standing put, I was like, do you view the SEC in the, the form that it will be next year as already a super conference? With, with the 16 teams when OU and Texas come in, and he said, yeah, basically. Um, and and I, don't, I don't think he's wrong. I mean, even if the SEC does nothing and the world continues to shift around it, I think it's in a fine place if they are content to stay how they are. Yeah, and I don't watch a ton of NASCAR, but they are in the pool position, the championships. They've got the most schools right now that are built to compete for a 12-team college football playoff. If we had one this year, you'd be talking about Alabama and Georgia and Tennessee and LSU and Texas A&M and Ole Miss and, you know, all the way down. I mean, when you have five, six schools that can compete for the college football playoff, and that's not even counting Texas and Oklahoma when they join the conference. So they are in a position of strength, and sometimes when you're 
you do that, you can afford to be choosy about realignment and expansion. And I mean, look how choosy they were. They, the last move, they got Texas and Oklahoma. That wasn't too bad. Worked out okay, or it appears as if it's going to work out okay. Bill, always appreciate your time. Good catching up this afternoon. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Take care. Bill Bender from the Sporting News joining us on the Farm Bureau Guest Line. Half an hour left with you on this Thursday. We're back right after this. Sports Talk Mississippi. Are you ready? On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and always on your local Super Talk Mississippi station. All right, hey, Dad. Just your opinion. No, nothing else. Just just what you think. Sopranos, greatest show of all time. Let's um, let's say that uh, Oregon and Washington go to the Big Ten. Okay. Pac-12 falls apart. Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, maybe end up in the Big Twelve. Yeah. And Florida State, the ACC, kind of. Kind of falls apart. Like somehow Florida State, Clemson, whatever, like they're all free agents. And and they could go elsewhere if an invitation presented itself. Would you prefer that the SEC just stays put with the sixteen teams that it will have next year? Or would you rather if like things continue to crumble and fall apart? The SEC add a couple of teams from the ACC to go from 16 to 18, or add four teams to go from 16 to 20. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting question. As a fan of college football, I'd be all for the SEC adding more teams, creating more big games. You know, if we could get games like Florida State versus Texas on a regular basis, Clemson versus LSU, the Battle of Death Valley on a regular basis, that's great. You know, enjoyable games. As a Mississippi State fan, and I mean, somebody's got to finish last in these conferences. And eventually you reach a point where if you have 20 conference members, they're going to say, all right, we need to play 10 conference games. Okay. It's going to be tough for State, Ole Miss, South Carolina, Kentucky, Missouri to win enough games to go to bowl games to have good seasons. It's going to become very tough at some point. So I'm kind of 50 50. I like the idea. But the team that I support would suffer, I think, as a result. All right, does the math work on 20? So, so, so right now, we, we've done the, you're going to have 16 teams, one permanent. Everybody else rotates. You play everybody in the league. If you went to a nine-game conference schedule with 18 teams, you could still make the math work. You could have one permanent opponent, and then the eight other games you would you would rotate through, and the math would work. If you go to ten, is there a way to play everybody in the league home and away twice 
Or in, in a four-year period, you play home and away against everybody in the league. If you play a ten-team schedule, I guess. Ten-game schedule. Yeah. God, those other two games, Mississippi State and Ole Miss, will be scheduling the worst FCS team and the worst group of five team they could find. Could be pretty cool. That that's the only oh, way I would want to see it happen, though. I mean, if, if the ACC crumbled, and you had the opportunity to add Clemson, Florida State, what Virginia Tech, NC State. I mean, North Carolina, if you could get them, but if you can't get North Carolina, say they ship off to the Big Ten, then you add Virginia Tech and and, and NC State, or Virginia Tech and Virginia, or yeah, how, however you go about it. Yeah, yeah. The only way I'd want to see that is if you could play everybody every couple of years. Yeah, I don't want to so. be in a situation where where North Carolina State's in the conference with Mississippi State, but you don't play them for eight years. Uh, yeah, that's Then you're right back to square one. Tyler asked the question, in an 18-team format or 18-plus team format, how does league cannibalism start to play in? So I think that's yeah. that's a relevant question, but it's less of a concern as we go to a 12-team playoff. I mean, yeah. if you had a 20-team Big Ten and a 20-team SEC and a 20-team, roughly, Big 12. Got to change the name at that point, by the way. You, yeah, you, you, you do. I mean, you're probably getting... Both of them four or five teams from the SEC every year into the playoff. Yeah. yeah. And so right now you're getting two out of 12 in a four-team playoff. You go to a 12-team playoff next year with six, say what? Probably getting three, wouldn't you think? They would have had three last year. Three what? Three teams into a 12-team playoff. No, no, but I'm saying in the current format, the current four-team playoff, the SEC okay. most years is getting two teams in. So that's right. two out of 14. If you go to a 12-team playoff and you get three out of 16, roughly the same, and it's, it's basically the same math on percentage of yeah. your teams from the league getting in. Here's another question that I've got. <sighs> Oh, is Bo's mad at you? Oh, I'm not worried about that. Okay. As we transition... It's just hard to to wrap your brain around this. It really is hard. I mean, college football has had these conferences so long. The the Pac-8, the Pac-10, the Pac-12. And, I mean, that's a conference with tradition and national champions and Heisman Trophy winners and great players and great rivalries. And it's about to be kaput. About to be no more. And as I saw somebody saying on Twitter, and I said this yesterday and I say it again, coaches and administrators and conference chairmen stand at a podium and bang on the podium. We need to curb NIL so that these players can't get as much money and blah, blah, blah. And then this is happening. The whole conference is 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 taking more money and, and moving things around, and there's no loyalty. So don't give me any crap about the players getting money. Get as much as you can, guys. Every decision that's being made is being driven by money right now. 
Absolutely, 100%. Um, as we transition this year from a four-team playoff to next year's 12-team playoff format, do you have teams that are going to tank is not the right word, but knowing that there is very little opportunity to make the playoff this year, but they know what next year looks like and how much greater the opportunity is a year from now when you've got 12 teams. Who, who would be who would be a good example for this? Um, say Tennessee. No, no, no. Let, okay. let's say Tennessee. So Joe okay. Milton is okay but not great, and Tennessee loses a game or two in the first eight games of the year, first six games of the year that they're not supposed to lose. Do you turn the page to Nico Almelieva, who they think is really, really good, and get him half a season's worth of experience in a year where you know you can't get to the playoff so that you feel like a year from now when it's a 12-team playoff, you absolutely hit the ground running? You can't do that. People pay too much for tickets. People pay way too much. No. I can't, I can't, you can't get behind that. Plus, there's, I mean, there's really no, like, if you, when you tank in the pros, okay, you're changing your chance to getting a high draft choice and getting a better player. When you tank in college, good players are going to be like, well, why would I want to go there? They're losing. That, would it be, that, that, would that it be like viewed a, as tanking? I mean, if you've got a young yes. star in the making and you're like, you know what? Yes. We need to see yes. what we've got. Yes, I think it would be. Cause that's what, that's what other coaches are going to sell it as. They tanked. They gave up last year. That's where you want to go play? You know? maybe. Oh, so that maybe they could get in this year as the 11 or the 12? I'll tell you what, son. We're going to be number one. We're going to be number two. You don't have to worry about that here at Alabama, at Georgia. Nah, you couldn't possibly do that. No. Nah. Um, Jason says, Pat Forty, I know, believe me, wrote an excellent article to the issues that Haydad just brought up about who is getting filthy rich out of this stuff at the fans' and players' expense. Oh. Pat Forty agreed with me? I changed my position. Disagree. I don't want, I don't want Matt Moscona coming after me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Bo and Indianola agree, Haydad. There's no uh, reason... Wait, what? Hold on. He said he basically says he agrees with you that there's no reason to just blow the thing up and have a 50-team conference when you've got the playoff expanding next season. This really is like unmitigated greed. Everybody's making more money than they can spend in these things. You've got athletic departments, $150, $200 million budgets. They're putting waterfalls into buildings trying to spend money. Well, how much is enough? And that's where we are. It's a it's an allegory into the into a look at our country today. Will you want to clip on Gallo six six a.m. Hey, Dad just said it's an allegory into a look of our country today. Yeah, is that what you said? Yeah, uh, Carmine Junior over here with. Uh... <laughs> Who knows how effective a leader I'll be. But until that time, I don't know. <laughs> Very <Whoa>. allegorical. <laughs> um.
Noted philosopher also said the ceiling uh, is I got you. the roof. Is the floor. <laughs> I made it the floor. We'll be back. The ceiling is the floor. This time tomorrow, we will have already talked about food on a Food Friday, presented by Pulse. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for that. I'm hungry. I know what I'm doing. I am too. And I gotta go to the store on the way home. So well, that's a bad I'm plan. Look at all that stuff. Although you probably have planned uh, I, ahead, right? Oh, I mean, I know what I'm cooking, and it won't take long. You were at the like store when I called you this morning. My wife texted me and said, uh, like, "Can you stop and pick something up on the way home?" I'm like, "Yes, I can do that." Okay. Because I am a good husband and father. Because going to a grocery store hungry is a bad plan. It is, but you gotta have di- gotta have discipline. Man, I, I guess. don't rack discipline. You're not gonna miss kickoff of the Hall of Fame game, are you? It's at seven, so no. I mean, I didn't know how long you were gonna spend at the store or where the store. I gotta get apple juice and double A batteries. I should be <laughs> in and out pretty quick. Jeez. That's what I was told to pick nothing up. Right? More, if I can't get that less. done in 15 minutes. No, oh, I'm definitely not like a woman at Target trying to look around and be like, oh, I need, I don't need anything. I need what I came in here I, for, and that's it. I, I do the same. I do that. I'm bad. I'm horrible about that. I will go in there and just wander the aisles and look at what's on the reduced aisle, you know, the, the, the sale aisle, and I'll, I'll get something that I don't need. In a grocery that's, store? That's not Absolutely. Kroger has a great little deal where they have all this stuff that's on sale i'll go peruse it as seen on tv aisle yeah grape juice yeah i could take some can't ever have enough can never have enough just extra grape juice lying around absolutely his wife's greek they need grape juice are you a um are you a name brand snob at the grocery store me yeah no no I only have two things that I, I really want to do name brand on, and that's aluminum foil. We're gonna get Reynolds wrap or nothing. It has else. to be Reynolds. I don't, don't you don't you bring that great value aluminum foil home? I might as well wrap it in paper. Can you tell a difference? Oh, there's a huge difference. Oh, no in quality. doubt, no doubt, really, hundred no percent. Yep. And in, in uh, fact, we had that happen not too long ago. For I, I guess they they were out. And so there was an off-brand batch of aluminum foil, and it was impossible to tear. Mm-hmm. And I said, Jane, I was like, can I make a request? Can we never, yeah. for as long as we are breathing air on this earth, buy any brand other than Reynolds Wrap? That's right. She's like, of Reynolds Wrap, heavy duty. That's the way to go. Don't ever buy anything else except no substitutes. That and uh, every every now I have a uh, uh, for cereal. I I, I don't like. I don't like any raisin brand except for Kellogg's raisin brand. Do you the, eat the bag um, cereals occasionally? Oh, I get the bag. I got two bags of cereal today. Really? The uh, Malto Meal uh, oh. Captain Crunch Crunchberry ripoff and the Malto Meal <laughs> Waffle Crunch uh, Waffle Crisp ripoff, which Malto is the meal. finest cereal there is. I'm a big fan of Malto Meal, yeah. We, and I mean, I bought should, a uh, box of Kroger checks, but you know. Raisin Brand's got to be Kellogg's. 
Should we talk about how much better Raisin Bran Crunch is than original Raisin Bran? It, it is better, but it's also not as good for you. So a lot more calories more in a bowl of Raisin Bran Crunch. Exactly, because of the crunch things in there. It's got that coating, you know, so, that Chevy Chasing yeah, created yeah. in hey, big, Christmas Vacation. Big believer in this. Ketchup yeah. is something that you should never buy off-brand? Yes. I don't eat ketchup, so that's not an issue. You don't want that catsup. Yeah, you, you don't want the fancy is catsup. It, no. Is it catsup? What is the cheap, you know, it's got the, yeah, just the generic no, tomato right. JPEG but, on the front of it? You know? I mean, a hundred times out of a hundred, it has to be Heinz. Don't Absolutely. bring Hunt's home either. Yeah, Hunt sucks. No, yeah. no, no, no. Sorry, Hunt's Ugh. people. Oh, no. Uh-uh. Somebody... Somebody tell me to get raisin nut bran. I like raisin nut bran, but that is currently seven forty nine a box, and I'd rather just buy a. Steak and it comes in a smaller box too, doesn't it? Yeah, it's in a small box. I mean, yeah. I, I can get I can get a nice couple of thick pork chops for seven forty nine. <laughs> I'll be all I'll be all right with just you know Cheerios as my cereal. Cereal or Dry, pork chops? By the way. Which one? No milk. I don't know. No milk. People are passionate save about money on mayonnaise, the milk. also. My wife is I a am. big mayonnaise person, and it has to be a certain I'm, brand. I'm passionate that if it's near my food, I don't want to eat it. I'm the, the same way. Pomade. I'm the same way, Brian. Uh, when I was a kid, they opened a Sam's in Tupelo, and my dad got a Sam's card somehow and literally took a trailer up there. And and this was back when Sam's didn't really sell consume. It was like for stuff for restaurants. Yeah. And they loaded bulk, that yeah. trailer down with crap and brought it home. And for years. We were still going through that. I still got a box of sweet and low at my mom's house. I guarantee you they never went through. And it's probably still there. And they bought mayonnaise. A big thing of it. It started and going bad. Now. And my dad was like, just put mayonnaise on everything. We gotta use it up. We can't let it go to waste. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so it ruined me for mayonnaise forever. My mom my mom ate mayonnaise sandwiches. Just mayonnaise and bread. Ugh. Like you gotta be out of your mind. Duke's mayo, just the baby. Duke's Mayo is you have the way. All, you can have all you want. I'll never fight you for it. Final text of the day. Guys, how excited are you for some darn football? Don't care if it's the NFL. I'm like the ex-wife. I'll take what I can get. Okay, then. <laughs> okay. On that note. Have a great night. Good night from the Pearl River Resort Studio. Talk Mississippi Media Production.